0: Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes.
1: Hello listeners, welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. My name's Jack Collins, and with Sammy off on international duty in Wales this weekend, I'll be guiding you through this week's episode. Think of it like K-Mac taking the captain's armband, but far less Scottish, far less sensible, and with a far better taste in sartorial matters. Sorry Kev. Talking of stylish blokes, I have the pleasure of being joined by a man who looks just as good as Rui Font in the latest Fulham retro range, Drew Heatley, Hello. and a man whose love for Fulham is only eclipsed by his love for Italian 80s sportswear, Don Betts.
2: Yeah, obviously. <laughs> you know, wearing the Sergio Ticini again today. I almost it? went I almost went direct for Ticini, but I yeah. thought, you know, we we would branch out well, a little no, bit. I could I could be wearing a less Tacchini, so a bit of Deodora. but yeah. you know oh, you really mixing it up. up. It's not really Don Betts about a bit of Sergio it? No, no, not at all. How are we boys? Well? Yeah, not bad. Doing okay. good after like, the weekend's performance. Indeed.
1: So Fulham beat Forest 2-0 at the weekend, making it five in a row in the championship and six home league wins on the trot, stretching back to the twenty-fifth of November let's keep things off
2: though with some three word reviews dom as the line of success runs to you would you do the honors we have matt vitiello with slip and cess alan mills with wet shivering one david kettlehake i've probably butchered your name for the second week in a row but i presume (laughs) that's what it is new expectation winning tom falchion with costly forest mistakes robert finch with steph joe is back and Rick Cardis with Just Keep Climbing. Before we, we crack on with Forrest, just a quick one to say that this season, Fulhamish
1: is backed by Labrooks. And right now, if you sign up and deposit up to £50 in your account, then Labrooks will match your deposit up to that £50. And you can get that offer at bet.fulhamish.co.uk. So, Forrest, obviously a- another excellent win, but it was a bit of a nervy first five minutes for the Whites with an early crossfield ball really catching Matty Target out and Matt Kashtrev dri- drilling a ball across goal that Callas did well to scramble away. Are we
0: guilty of starting badly most weeks? Drew, do, will we get caught out by that eventually? I, I think we did, certainly towards the start of the season. I think we've, we've got better at... Uh... Uh, we are still sort of growing into games slightly slowly, but uh, I think we've got better. Um, I, I was quite surprised at that with uh, Target earlier on in the game, but uh, he obviously really recovered to have a, a far better uh, game than, than that early mistake uh, intimated. Yeah, I understand. Don. what were your thoughts uh, on, on what well,
2: we As we said, we never start games that well. Yeah. And you look at our ability to score goals late on in games that we have conceded the first goal on occasion and it hasn't been... A problem for us, but I think it would all—it would be nice just to start a game confidently with no, none of these mistakes. But then it's just the, down to the way we play. That's that sort of ball is always going to count out counter us because we like to push up so high and that that ball uh, past our is always going to be there but I think what we did what we did well on Saturday was de- defending defending those balls coming to the box a lot better than we have done in recent weeks
1: I know we last year we spoke a lot about Scotty Malone getting caught out by that ball over the top and it just it was a echoes of that when when target was beaten with the first ball across but you know obviously it was scrambled away and then we went up the other end almost immediately it was very end to end to begin with uh, and ses was released by Johansson and, and drilled it wide uh, and then, following that, he drilled the next one over the bar. Ses had a bit of an off game. I- I- I'm willing to put it out there on a limb and say, do we think there was a reason? There was. It was mooted on uh, on the highlights, especially that um, that his boots were potentially not correct, and, uh, and there was a lot of slipping and sliding, as as
0: Matt Vitiello's uh, three word review did did suggest. You know, he- you know thoughts on Sess's performance as a whole. I think it's it's funny. There's been um, a few things in the paper about uh, Lookman on his debut for Leipzig uh, or Leipzig, sorry, with uh, with the dodgy wrong boots on as well. So maybe it's that uh, sort of change in weather in uh, the beginning of Feb that's caught one or two people out. But also I think credit has to go to Forrest for nullifying quite a lot of our wider uh, players on uh, on Saturday as well, um, and that certainly had an effect on on the way Sess was playing. I think
2: Don, what were your, your
0: thoughts on, I you thought- on Cess?
2: Positionally wise, he was still up to his best. I think just his end yeah. product wasn't quite there. He was getting into the positions; he was always in the right place at the right time. He just didn't have the final product which we expect from him now. But he also got to still remember, he is still only seventeen years old. Yeah. he is not the finished article. But and you could tell he still has that intelligence to be in the right position. So if it is down to his boots, the reason why he can't kick the ball right, then fair play to that. But he was still getting in the right positions, and he was still he still started the game. Terrifically, and he was it was beating players down the line with ease as he always does. And I yeah. think, yeah, it just end product wasn't there. But the amount of times we've seen Fulham wingers with no end product, I don't really really think it's much thing to complain about.
0: And I think as well, you're right, you're right there, Dom. I think he's 17 years old, and I think we we have a we, we're we're quite good at Fulham where we don't sort of hold people to that higher standards and sort of beat them with a with a stick if they, if they do wrong. I mean, we have had a lot of patience with Steph Joe this season, but uh, yeah, you, you, we just got to be careful to just remember that you know, even if he did nothing else for the rest of this season, he's still uh he's still had absolute blinder so uh you know we just got to have a bit of perspective there
1: i think it's there was an article today on, online and tom barkley was promoting it on twitter and it was about they sent a scout down to look at ses and what what really caught the eye and he was saying that yeah occasionally his touch let him down or his, his end product let him down but that positioning was was obviously crucial and that's obviously been you know why he scored so many goals this season so it, it's one of those things where obviously it wasn't a bad game but for to, for that to be a bad game by Cess's standards, I think says so much about about how he's been playing this season. But the Fulham's best chance of the half probably came from a clever little corner routine, which uh, Johansson worked along the floor to, to Lucas Piazon coming in. We've spoken before about corners at, at length and uh, many times, and you know this is obviously this worked or very nearly came off. Um, is that the kind of thing you want to see more from Fulham in, in a corner sense
2: well it's gonna. It's more like to catch your position out if it's something tr- done and trained off the training ground because they're not going to expect it I mean if you're playing Fulham you're expecting a short corner and us to work the ball into the box um, which, I, which I never find why they don't close down the man that goes close because we do it pretty much every single corner but again, they, these these sort of created set piece routines I guess you could say are effective if you're going to implement them at the right time and because you can't just do it at whatever corner you get it's got to be I'd say at the right time of the game I think it was they weren't expecting it it's also and then it's not you're not going to do it in the last minute when you're going to die in need of a goal you're going to pump the ball into the box and I think it it would be really nice to see these implemented, but just only not just like all the time, just yeah. at the right time they're needed.
1: Well, obviously, if you do them all the time, yeah, it becomes very predictable exactly. uh, as such. But it was it was nice to see one come off the training ground.
0: Yeah, I think I think corners are certainly something that we can tap into even a little, uh, even a bit more. As, as I say, we do a lot of short corners, which I think you do have more options when you're playing along the ground. Mm-hmm. But I think, as Don says, you do have uh, it's it's you know different strokes for different folks and different corners for different parts of the game. But I do think as well we might see a few more lofted balls into the box. Now we've got the absolute man mountain that is Mitrovic uh, on the pitch. Well, we'll come on to Mitrovic
1: in in a little bit. But just before he came onto the pitch, the the second half started and another slow start from Fulham. And I know it sounds like repeating old ground. We very nearly conceded from a Joe Worrell header from a corner. In fact this is the kind of thing that keeps happening at home and we're going to get punished if it doesn't stop happening. Why can we not start second halves?
2: I don't really know what, happen- I really know what happens in the changing room at half-time in, in a home game. Because it's, it's every single home game. Yeah, away like, th- games are different kettle of Fish. Yeah, but the first five, ten minutes, are so from the 45th to maybe the 55th, sometimes up to the 60th minute, we just don't seem to be at it. We don't seem to be any team... Or anything like the team we were in the first half. I, don't, I really want to know what just goes on in that change room at halftime in a home game. Does Slav just like not say anything, or just I don't really know. It doesn't really, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of like motivational speech or anything in halftime. They sort of just sit around and have a little chinwag. Mitrovic obviously then
1: came on, and this was something that a lot of people have been calling out for. A lot of people were very excited to see, and you know you can see why he's obviously a, a bit of a specimen physically. Um, he, he offers. A different dynamic to, to that of Rui Font. What were your first impressions of the big man? You know, he's obviously certainly a presence.
0: It was just that he was even bigger than I remembered, and and it was a it was a masterstroke from Slav because it was just exactly the the lift that the team needed. It was exactly the lift that the cottage needed at that time. It was a, it was a much of much of a muchness in the first half and it was you know starting to get a little bit nervy among the fans and and just bringing him on just changed the whole game i think everybody was sort of more had more energy we were running onto balls faster we were just they just he was putting himself about a bit um and he also sort of showed a level of intelligence as well which i think uh, is is something that we 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 really would uh, would
2: appreciate up front going forward yeah i mean i thought he changed the game when he came on Completely. Uh, Dwayne, the way the only we say Rufon cannot hold the ball, which he can, but it's a different way of holding up the ball. Mitrovic will be straight into the centre backs, and then will be causing them issues, and that's what he did. And he completely allowed our wingers to then come into the game a lot more because he, as we, Rufon can hold up the ball, and he's quite creative. But it's as he said, it's a bit different. And I thought Mitrovic was excellent. I wasn't, didn't really know what to expect from him. He hasn't played loads at Newcastle United. Obviously, he hardly played last season for them in the Championship. Yeah. But obviously, when I what we've seen in the Premier League, we know he's a physical striker, and you know he is suited to this league, and in the way we play. Because we saw when we had Chris Martin last year that when you have a big target man up front, it allows us to play a lot, lot better. Because we, we we we're so we play so critical to the wide positions that allows those players to come into play a lot, lot more. And you saw that as soon as he came on. I think
1: you're spot on in terms of the way that he did change the game. But I also think that you could tell that he wasn't. You know, match sharp almost still, and there's still an element to come, which is obviously massively exciting because if he's that good off what three days work with the team and, and having not played for a while, then you know what could he be like in in two three weeks time, and that's obviously what we've got to expect. It's his kind of hassling of the defenders that starts the move for Piazon's goal. And obviously, the ball bounces around a little bit, pinballs, and, and Oli Norwood spreads it, and Piazon, you know, does what he does. He drives into the box and, and he hits it. Piazon now has the best. Goals or you know goals involvement rate in the championship. Something we retweeted this morning from FFC Luke, who said that it's, it's eighty minutes or so uh, for every goal that Piazon is directly involved with in the championship this year, which is phenomenal when you think about it.
2: Yeah, but him being like a play contributor play so much isn't a surprise. No, because if the, although he's not like a fan, for, well, he's a fan favorite. I mean, like if you look at like just technical ability wise you wouldn't say he's better than Aite really on that day but I think what we saw last season is he's clinical in front of goal and when he's or when he's crane jobs, he knows what needs to be done whereas if you look at someone like Floyd Aite he just tries to do too much and Pielsen never tries to do too much he just does what's needed of him and if you look at his goal he just he just takes a shot at goal and it sort of just fizzes off Pantelamon onto the woodwork and back in the back of a net I can't see Aite taking that sort of chance and as right. we saw with when we saw with Cabana, whenever Cabana scores a goal, it's always one of the most scruffy goals you're ever <laughs> going to see. So I think I think, and what I like about Pierzon on is he's not a natural winger, and I think that's a good thing, because he he know, he knows what he's doing in the center of the pitch as well when he drifts inside. And I think it doesn't it's not a surprising factor if you if you've watched him play over the last two seasons, but it is an amazing statistic.
0: And you think, he's not an actual winger, but he was hugging that touchline when Mitrovic got the ball to him. He was uh, he was so far out wide, and, and he took that shot, which just seemed too hard for Pantilamon to handle. You, you'd imagine that Aite would have taken two or three more touches, and the chance might well have been lost at that point. So uh, hats off to Piazon for for always knowing the right time to do what, what we say, the simple things well. And some, some things aren't so simple, and he still does them well.
1: I suppose it's that kind of Sessignon vibe where it's not necessarily... Always doing the fancy thing, but being in the right place at the right time, and simply making the right decisions on a regular basis. For me, though, Pantilimon probably should do yeah, better.
2: Yeah, and what also what I don't understand is why aren't Forest fans clapping him at the end of the game? He's literally cost you the game. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a lit- terrible save. He's li- He's literally the reason. You lost the game. It's
0: karma though, because he's mean time wasting at 60 minutes when it's nil-nil, a uh, goal kick, and then a couple of minutes later. In Venice, Barnsley started time wasting yeah. at 29
2: uh, minutes last week. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, I don't know, like Pat and you expect him to be better. I know you know we know he's not a world-class goalkeeper, but he's been in and around quality goalkeepers in his time at, at a couple of Premier League teams like Man City, like Watford, and you expect him to learn something from them. And I don't understand what how that shot is so hard to just parry out from goal it may go into a more dangerous position but it's not going to go in the bloody back of the net is it
0: I mean god help any of uh, Button or Benelli if that happened to them But <laughs> well, I mean Benelli would be fine yeah. they'd probably yeah. keep him yeah. off yeah, okay, but yeah. Button he'd be literally
1: executed so. agreed um, obviously they we're talking of Bettinelli shall we say it, it was a brilliant double save from him that actually kept the score at 1-1 credit where it's due those two saves excellent and completely kept Fulham in the gate or well, kept Fulham ahead in, in what could have been a crucial moment in the game there
0: I think uh, Betts had one of his best games since coming back into the side for us. On uh, in, in in maybe an understated way, but it, as you, it was, uh, the saves that kept us in the game, his distribution was better, just his all round presence. I I was uh, really impressed with him, more so than I have been since he came back, and and he's been decent since he came back. So hats off to him.
2: Yeah, I think, I've ne- obviously I've never it praises goalkeeping abilities that much. I've just said they're on levels with David Button, and we have more. We have a better form, basically, or better performance when he's in goal. And you think that's why he's staying in goal because his performance under. If you look at the results when we've had Betanelli in goal under Salav, it's probably plainly ridiculous. Yeah. Because he's just been there when we've been our like two best runs of form, and although we said at the start, I think that could just be a coincidence. It's starting to sort of seem like it's not. Maybe he's not maybe that much of a better goalkeeping button, but maybe the defence feel a lot more confident when when they have Bettinelli in goal than when they have Button in goal but I think yeah, it's those sort of saves we've seen it from Bettinelli before and we just want to see them more of a time because sometimes the goals that he does concede you think oh he could do better there but yeah it's a great double save although I do think the second one is sort of just him being there
1: in the right place at the right yeah. time but I suppose that's kind of half of it Yeah, um, I wanted to talk to you Dom especially about the distribution of Bettinelli this weekend obviously it's something we've talked about at length um, it, it just seemed much better
2: yeah, I, mid- you could tell it from the off that his passing was just seemed a lot better than usual because he obviously always does these like wide balls out left and out, and out right to the fullbacks, which just always seemed to be, be either just about keep it in play or it goes out of play or we surrender possession. But his passing seemed a lot more, I want to say, sensible this yeah. weekend that's, I think that's the best way to put it and if he can just keep improving on his passing then that will be a massive help to the team and a massive help to his game as well because we know he's a great shot stopper that's nothing we've ever said before we've just always said his distribution isn't necessarily any better it could even be worse than David Button's. so but I think if his distribution improves there's no reason why the Word Button would even be even considered yeah of course coming soon
0: and we've had a we've had a, enjoyed a quite a few clean sheets recently and and he can't you know it's obviously going to be he's going to help better is he's going to help that but we, I was talking to my brother about this on the weekend does do Callas and Reem, uh, and even our fullbacks to a, to a degree do they have more confidence when they're playing in front of him does he instill more confidence in them it's something that uh, that bears thinking about and it'd be good to get some of those uh, bets and and button stats like uh, we were talking about because uh, I think they'll be they'll be absolutely skewed but it, it'd just be interesting to see and then try and delve into it a bit deeper I guess
1: yeah, well, I mean, obviously we had we had many a debate over the two back of the day, but there doesn't seem to be any any suggestion that anyone right now would drop Bettinelli. So I think that that's that, that's something we can we can lean on. It's a fine finish in the end from Fulham. Again, another late goal, another you know eighty ninth minute or later goal from Fulham. We lead to the championship in the goals in the last fifteen minutes. So that's obviously something to think about. Do you think that's because of our style of play? Do you think it just wears teams down?
2: You you can't really look at it any other way because you wouldn't you wouldn't say we like hold ourselves right to the end, we, we 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 go out and play our football for the entire ninety minutes you'd argue. So it's it, the way we play. Obviously, it's gonna it's, got, it's gonna have teams chasing the ball all the time unless they just want to be like a nit and just sit behind the ball for like ninety minutes.
1: But if we link it back to what we were saying earlier about the first fifteen minutes of a half, is there something in that maybe? Do you think Slavisa says, "All right, go out"? Take easy for fifteen minutes and then blitz them for half an hour at the end when they're knackered.
2: I mean that would mm, that would correlate to some questions. I mean that would, that would correlate to the amount of goals we score in the in the last minutes of games, and that was. Not just this season, that was last season as well.
0: Yeah, And it's not, and it's not uh, sort of a flash-in-the-pan sort of stat. This is a prolonged sort of thing that's been going on for the last, as you say, like last couple of seasons. And actually, you know, there is something in what you're saying. I think uh, it, it might well be that sort of way. And the way we play as well, at the, end of, at the end of the day, when you get to the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, you know, teams are going to get tired and there's going to be more opportunities there for us, which you saw uh, to a tee against, against Forest with the second goal.
1: It's um, good work from Steph to win it back. And uh, he, does, he does well to carry it. I thought he was going to square it. I thought he was going to square it for a tap-in for Mitrovic on his
0: first finish. Can but. you imagine if he missed it? I mean, I, I was, I, it, when you look at the goal again, he hits it uh, to the to the right of uh, Pantilimon, But you just think, I, I was thinking he was going to square it the whole time. But it, it wasn't sort of the finish that I expected, but it was cool nonetheless. And he does know how to do that. We've seen that a couple of times, Cardiff being the one that comes to mind straight away. But uh, I think Mitrovic might have had something to say if he had missed it. Steph obviously scored, but more importantly, he looked
1: far, far better back to sorts in, in, in a major way. And obviously that's quite nice to see.
2: I mean, he couldn't exactly have been playing worse. Didn't he? No, he, he couldn't, No, it was, he, he was, no, good, it, was it was good to see him, see him uh, play a bit better like he did last season. Obviously, it was nowhere near what we saw performances like no. Huddersfield away last year, but it was good. nice seeing him better because obviously he is a chink in the midfield that contributes to the, to the fact. And we're going to talk about later is if Kenny does just slot straight back in and like, who yeah. comes out and who and etc like that but I think yeah it was a lot better performance and obviously in those positions what after I saw a card of I don't expect Johansson to miss them like. no not at all and like when he gets in positions I always expect him but it was, it was good of him to like because obviously he's end to end 90 minutes but it's, maybe he's he might not seem so box to box now maybe he's actually conserving his energy more because uh, he knows later on again the these positions are going to come and he's, he's going to grab goals and obviously we've seen he's grabbed two of them in the last month or so but still i think yeah he can, he also got a lot of room for improvement still but it was nice seeing him back to his a uh, better self i guess
0: i think we do have to mention as well the goal celebration oh, i was talking to you about this earlier jack i just i don't know i just feel like uh, the the shushing are we reading too much into it or is that a sort of answering of the critics and we said we we you know we said uh, that he's not played as well this season, but I don't think we've necessarily slated him at any point during the season. We've always been sort of even-handed and, 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 some, and objective in our criticism. But uh, it was just interesting that, you know, he did the shush to the Hammersmith end and, and we were all cheering him still. You know, I think uh, nobody, nobody sort of took it at the time. And it was very Zamora-esque. Uh, and I uh, just, uh, I wonder what the, uh, the origins of it are, really. Well, the, the one thing I'd say is that potentially, you know, unless Steph's on
1: Twitter... You know, reading people's messages and things. I mean, without being funny, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure that the players are, are out here listening to this every week, <laughs> um, and you know, maybe occasionally, but not not every week. And you know, I, I think of of only one. We're we're the end, the last to criticise Steph. We're, we're very much fans of Steph, and and people know that, but. I can't the Fulham fans haven't booed him it's not there's never there's never really been any vitriol towards and, him from the stands and it's not like
2: the, the criticism has, hasn't been like sustained or justifiable like he's been poor this season and because you, you, when you hit such high, high standards of the season before you're expected to keep that up no yeah it, of course it, it's quite similar to us you'd obviously know about his second season at Celtic Yeah. when he was phenomenal in his first season then and sort of dropped off in the second not as much as he did at Celtic as he did for Fulham but you know I I, I think the criticism has been justifiable I've been Calling a few times, seeing for him to be dropped because I don't think his performance war- like warrants starting when obviously our midfielders were all fit and stuff. But you know, I, I, it's probably I don't know. He's just pretty just having a little tantrum. Man.
1: But I don't. But what I was suggesting is that you know when Zamora did it, you could. It was on, on the back of like audible yeah. groans from the Hammersmith End yeah. when he'd come on, or not. I don't you know. It's very rare that people get booed at Fulham for, their, for your own players, but there was you know general chit-chat about Bobby <laughs> yeah. not being good enough. I don't think that's been the case. No, there's
2: any the criticism from Steph has been on social media. There's nothing. There's been nothing at the games or anything like that. So
1: maybe we are reading too much into it. Maybe it was just maybe it was aimed at the cameras. or yeah. Let's yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. hope a lot so. Of chat so a couple of bits Matt Target uh, including the team of the week um, and a few people I saw giving man of the match thoughts?
2: Uh, it's just nice to see a left back who can uh, defend
1: <laughs> aside from the first minute
2: yeah aside from the first minute but as Fulham, no one really plays in the first minute but no it's not it, he, the way I saw him was sort of a bit like Malone but could defend.
1: Yeah, but the more defensively sound Malone.
2: Basically, yeah. yeah. And then
0: that makes him you know, three times as valuable, I guess. He, exactly. Well, so he, wasn't even- he looked like a Premier League player playing in the Championship. He did. As far and, as I was and, concerned. And I was really impressed with him, particularly in the first 20, 30 minutes or so. And, and I think as you go forward, it'd be really interesting to see that sort of relationship that he strikes up with Ryan. And, and you see sort of the, the fledgling sort of elements of it as, as we go through the first two games. And hopefully that was going to continue to... To develop as as we go towards you know the, the tail end of the season,
2: he's not been playing in the England youth set for as long as he has, and hasn't been captain of the, of an England youth team if he's not that good of a player. Yeah, yeah. And he's clearly a lot more defensively sound than the rest of our fullbacks, and that's a good thing to see. And it's a good thing that we need because as as much as I like love the way we play and the way our fullbacks have played this season, they they none of them can defend, yeah. Except for arguably maybe Adoy, but I still think Adoy is better at defending at centre back than he is when he's playing out wide. And so it was just nice to see. And obviously, we we didn't see Cyrus Christie play. We don't know. But I see, I can see him obviously being a lot like Fred, Fredericks and not as defensively stable as maybe Matt, Matt Target is. But it was just a really, really solid all-round performance. And obviously at Barnsley, he only got, was it a half hour maybe? And he, still, he didn't look amazing, but he looked solid enough. But I think this performance shows that it means Sess is definitely been playing left wing mm. until the end of the season unless and there's any injuries.
0: And, and as well, remember the value of target and the benefit of target is twofold because we've got a left back in can defend and we've got somebody who's freed up Cessignon to play further up the pitch. So really, it, we said it last week, it's probably the signing of the January window, to be honest, if it works out. It's an
1: interesting one because obviously he's a useful player and, and a developing player. But that relationship, I think, with Cessignon is the key to this and, and we'll see how that develops in terms of Fulham as a whole, the big question I thought about about the performance was: Would we beat Villa or Derby playing the way we did on Saturday?
2: No, but the thing is, we what, what do you say? We won six games on the bounce at home, right? Yeah. I don't remember us playing well, bar like maybe five, ten, fifteen minutes in each game in any of those games. Burton. Okay, but not that old. But like that was Burton, just more like surrendering after about two minutes. Yeah, no, it's true. But what? I, yeah, I just found it weird because like we have I can't think apart from the Burton game maybe because I don't think we were really that good either. Haven't no, played, no, we were in the other five games. We haven't played well in them really at all. Like, I don't remember that many performances in this long run that we've played amazingly, which is nice to see because it was sort of like. Last season we were like, oh, we're playing amazing. That's why we're winning the games. It wasn't because we we knew how to grind out results last season. Yeah, but I think this season's run is a lot different to last season's.
0: It's a lot harder to gauge as well because last season, you know, we had we were playing so good against the teams above us, and so we, we'd be smashing Reading or, or Huddersfield and whatnot, you know, by virtue of five or four or five goals. Uh, so you, you could almost you could almost sort of predict that we'd raise our game a bit for the teams above us. But when we're grinding out all of these results at the moment, it makes it harder to predict because you're now thinking, you know, I, I thought that the run winning run was going to come to an end against Forrest. I thought it was going to be a draw, but you get proved wrong. You just don't. It makes it harder as a call. So we're going to be talking about the squad in more depth and answering all of your questions
2: after the break. Hello, I am Breda Hangeland, and when I'm not rubbing my thigh with cheese, I'm listening to the Fulhamish podcast.
1: While we have your attention, make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes so that you can download our extra episodes which come out every Thursday, previewing the next opponent and having a chat with some very special guests. Now, back to the show. So a lot of questions have come in this week about the fact that there is now a 20-man squad vying for 18 places with loads of those players feeling that they're kind of first team calibre. What happens now, in your view, for Slav if everyone gets back to fitness? How are we going to play this?
2: It's only good news. I think Slav, although you could say he he doesn't have the best man management skills, I think he's now got 20 players which he believes in and he knows he can rely on. Not like when you had the likes of Suarez, Molo, Graham. I mean, the only person you could really argue who ever made it anywhere near was Johan Molo. And I think it's actually it's good news because all these players are going to be... Uh, they want to be training harder because they know how much Slav's like sort of values that in training, and I think it's a, it can only be a good thing for me. I think it. I think we've got a great squad depth now, not what we had last season. If you look at our squad last season, part of my first eleven and maybe a couple of wingers on the bench, you wouldn't argue we had depth. No. Whereas now we do, and that's only as I keep saying, a good thing. Yeah, he's trimmed the fat completely,
0: and it's now it's now a Slav squad. Uh, and the, the great thing about the, the squad that we've got now is it's so geared up to the way we play so the, the options we've got out wide uh, attacking options we've got out wide and then the three uh, the three sort of forwards that we can rotate and we're going to touch on it a bit later according to the different ways that we play we've got basically got like different keys for different locks and I think that that's, uh, that's as we say it only, can only be a good thing I think the only sort of sh- Trouble he might run into is is that three man midfield. You know when you know when Kearney comes back or, or when he has to sort of make a tough decision there. That might be a little less straightforward than it might be uh, switching up the the, the attacking players at the top. So say everybody's fit, who drops out of this midfield right now?
2: I still think Johansson. True. I I'd, I'd drop Johansson and bring in Kearney
0: yeah i would um and uh, I think uh, going forward that probably might that that is the most sensible option going uh, t- to be fair actually no i can't really argue with that at all. I think it's interesting to think about the fact that
1: Ollie Norwood obviously has his supporters and his detractors and he also has pros and cons he's, a, he's he's not a perfect player by any stretch of the imagination but he's
0: played really well recently I think his it's
2: penalty taking ability is just keep him in the side exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah he's made he, I made the joke when he first scored his first he's making himself indispensable from that but yeah you cannot the way he's played so far this season it would just be absolute it would be too harsh to take him out especially when you know we've, we, we've already talked about Steph Joe and we know the season that he's he's had and, and I just think if you had to pick one on merit it's got to be Norwich stays in agreed but the three
1: musketeers as we you know coined them from last year when they've been when they've been fit they've played uh, as far as as far as it's been this season yeah
2: what I think Slav will do is different than what I think is the right decision <laughs> but um because I don't think I think Norwich has been playing up to what you expect maybe a bit more and Johansson's been playing a lot lower and I don't I don't see I know because they've, the three of them have the chemistry from last season together but I still drop Johansson, just because I think I still think Norwood's been been exceptional this season at times, but he's also had his faults. But I think he's just played better than Johansson, so I think that would warrant Johansson being the one drop. But then knowing Slav, I think he would be the one to drop Norwood and bring in Kearney. But then there's also the argument: does even Kearney slot into it?
1: Well, I think the the argument is with Kearney, Norwood, and and McDonald, you don't necessarily have the man who's going to cover the legs for. Care any sort of languid defensive lack of aptitude, mm-hmm. if, we, if we if we want to put it nicely, um, and, and obviously Steph does that. He he bombs up and down, and he provides that kind of link between the two other players. I could see, you know, obviously if K mac got injured, then I could see Steph, you know, ru- uh, Norwood dropping into the holding role and Steph doing the running between them. No, I, I Ibrahim
2: Asese comes in, yeah, turning well, up now. Obviously,
1: big man, um, but he doesn't necessarily, Norwood doesn't provide that kind of link man attitude. Also, that why why was Ibrahim Assisa
2: ran me on the bench against Barnsley? I don't know. That, that was really that, weird. That, I thought really he was going to Amiens and he didn't go to Amiens in the end, did he? He just, hasn't gone. It just really confused me when he ran me on the bench last week. Someone also
1: told me that Corley Woodrow got recalled from loan, but that's also, also not true. No. He's very much still at Bristol City.
2: I That's mean, we don't exactly need another striker.
1: No, no, not at all. I don't think so. But he's not playing there either. So I
2: would, what just... I thought what might happen is we might recall him and then loan him out to another championship Like Burton home. Albion. Yeah, like Burton, who are, who are rotting down the bottom. I don't know, like Birmingham, Birmingham City, him and Sam Gallagher, former former youth products, just banging in goals up front.
1: Yeah, all the day. All the day. Right, so there are now six loanies in the squad, taking back to the point. Shea is currently injured. But does that added competition between loanies in different positions add something different to our squad that maybe other teams don't have as in players that have to prove their value to the squad rather than the fact that they're just better than say anyone else in their position so it's not about Norwood saying I'm you know, I'm better than, than Steph, for example. It's about Norwood being like, I'm better than Steph, and I'm working hard enough to prove that I'm more useful than it is to put Sessigny on ahead of Target at left back as well. And, all, and it adds that kind of dynamic between a different group yeah, of players yeah, and I'm, different teams. If positions.
2: I'm looking at it as in, I think the two low knees who I think have to be in the squad at the moment, who definitely is Target and Norwood for me at the as in present time, because we need Norwood in midfield and we need Target to be playing left back. Yeah. For Cespedes to if I'm looking at it, I know sh- we spoke about Ojo's stats when we play. Yeah. But I don't see what he offers. That's hell of a lot more than what's already in the squad. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't see what how we, if, if he's like that much more value to the squad than if he's in there over a Cabano or an Aite, or even a Piazon
1: Yeah. No. I, agree. I mean,
2: it's it's a hard decision to make. But if if I'm looking at it right now, Shay Ojo hasn't really been part majorly of this run. No and so there's no reason why another one of these loanings who has been playing well should be dropped I think uh, yeah the further back you go on the pitch the more uh, value the
0: players have so you know there's we we don't have a uh, sort of plethora of centre backs so Calas is going to is going to be playing Uh, target we've already talked about is value and and, and Norwood as well Uh, up front in out of those front three that you put up uh, as I say you can interchange them and I'd be fairly happy you know bar any sort of anything sort of left field, I think I think we'd all be fairly happy with who's there. So with the with those loneies it does, it. it's sort of, yeah, the further you go back, the more important that they are to the team. But what we do have that's really great is uh, all six loanees that we have are, you know, you can have mercenary loneies who just want to come in and, you know, collect some money or whatnot. But these guys are all, they all seem to enjoy playing for Fulham. They all seem to appreciate the club. You saw that with Piazon, you know, with the old badge on Saturday, which you know I I am a sucker and I get sucked into, and I, I bloody love him for it. But uh, they're, they're all ready to they're all ready to be part of what's going on here, which is you know you can't you can't really overstate that. OK, so we now have three strikers with seriously different characteristics,
1: as we say, and hat tip for Stuart Roberts for coining this. But obviously, Mitrovic is a player based on physicality and kind of penalty box presence, plays back to goal more than anyone else. Camera is a, a pace and power kind of player and Vont's a, a kind of precise technical kind of player. Will it be a case of who's best for each game? Like you said earlier, different keys for different locks. Or will, will we see Slavisa do what he did last year and stick to one and sort of stay with that rigidly?
2: I think he's going to stick with Mitrovic. I just think he's suit the way he's suited to the team and the league is just indispensable. Where the other two, I can see the second choice now being Kamara. Because bringing Font off the bench for me doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, not an impact player. And so if we start with Mitrovic, then I then bring on Kamara, or bring Kamara on a sort of a inside forward sort of role, and because he's gonna, he's gonna. He, we saw against Burton uh, when he's running against a tired defence, he was running them senseless. I know our entire squad was running them senseless the entire game, but I think for me, the the ideal is to start Mitrovic every game, and then Kamara comes on if we need him, because I think that's the best way. As, as much as I've praised Font this season, I'm trying. I've not, I've not been criticizing that much. I think he is now in a sense the third choice, even though he did start on Saturday.
1: Do you think you'll see him further back?
2: I can, I can though, that's that's something you could see happening if we need someone more creative in the midfield or just in between the midfield and the attack because obviously it's a bit different to what we played last season. Last season you could argue it was more of a 4-2-3-1 than a 4-3-3 whereas this season's just a clear 4-3-3 and if we change it up into a 4-2-3-1 and need someone in at number 10 slot then you can see... F- Font dropping in there, I can see him being quite helpful actually in, in behind Mitrovic because he's going to pick up those second balls yeah. and either spray him out wide or ha- have a ping himself or get it back into Mitrovic, so I think Font still does have a role to play but when it comes to the actual number nine, I do think he probably might be third choice now
0: mm, I agree, I think as well Font in that sort of uh, position further back, I mean, what would have to happen for him to get there is the only thing, like you know there's going to have to be one or two injuries for him to be in that position I don't think Slav's the type of guy to to experiment particularly especially at this part of the season which is why I, I think he would also stick with Mitro and not try and change things up too much but I agree Font would be interesting in that position but I just I feel like one or two things we'd probably have to have one or two uh, injuries for that to, to, to actually see the light of day well in, in that kind of vein can you see a change of system to incorporate these new
2: players alongside the current squad slab of system Well, I mean, <laughs> it has, it has <clears throat> happened before yeah we changed the 3-5-2 and we did weren't very good no I know we weren't but I don't, I then, don't. that
1: said at that time we didn't necessarily have the players to play it that's that 3-5-2 sti- I, had, I still
2: don't think we do th-
1: I think we would now have the players to play a 3-5-2 I
2: don't I can't see the centre backs with the wing, wing how the wing backs work does that mean you drop Mat- Matty Target you're playing a 3-5-2 like where does Target and Cessna fit into that that's the only. That's the only argument I'd, I'd say. Like, would you? Is Cessna playing in the middle? Like, it, off front. off front. Like, you know, do you, like really, what happens? Like, I think no. I think the only change in system that's really going to happen is between a four three three and a four two three one. I think that's the only interchange I can see sort happening because when we have played a three five three, yes, I do I know we now probably have the players to play it now. Maybe with a Mitrovic and a Kamara up front together, but I just, I think the way. We play and the way this 4-3-3 works at the moment. I can't see us changing our system to fit. It's it, for a 352 5 2 for me. Seems like an idea that you're trying to fit all your best players into the team at the same time. Yeah, and that's not what you do. You you find the best system to suit the way you play and your squad. It may not be playing all your best players at the same time, but that's not how you win championships. That's not how you win leagues. If you listen to the Brady Hanglin interview, I was going to exactly what he said. Like, Yol and Hughes were trying to sign all these talented players where that's not how you win. You win by playing the best team, not by the best players.
0: And I think with three months left of the season, uh, I can't see any experimentation or too much deviation from what we've seen so far this season. And obviously, as we say, there's not... We hopefully wouldn 't wouldn 't have to and and you know if we 're going to see some massive departures again it 's going to be from some unforeseen uh, injury suspensions i 'd imagine um, but hopefully uh, hopefully none of that will happen
1: so there are plenty of movements that have happened across this transfer window and across the last transfer window and I got a message from Clint McClendon who told us that there have been twenty five outs. 14 ins and 4 new contracts signed at Fulham this season in the 2 transfer windows can you ever remember Fulham being that busy in a transfer window or in in a season
2: no because we usually complain about us not signing anyone helpful or, or we don't do enough business or we spend too much money on one player and not on the entire squad. So I think this season's been a good balance. I know there was quite a few summer signings which haven't worked out. The likes of Molo, Suarez and Graham, which obviously Molo was on a free transfer. The other two were loan deals, so it hasn't really cost us that much, apart from in wages. That had Ipemissi, who's been quite disappointing so far. Obviously, he cost us one or two million. And apart from... You know, he played a few good games in pre season, but apart did from
1: that, did well against
2: Leeds away. Yeah, as you know, yeah, the double pivot of McDonald and him at Leeds away was, was good. But yeah, he's been the only sort of disappointing permanent signing. And I think it's nice to see. I think it's not about the ins, it's about the outs and retaining of our players. I think, like, we you always have to improve your squad every season. That's without everyone knows that. But the, we got a lot rid of a lot of Deadwood, especially when it comes to like youth players or players like in between the youth and the main squad who we've sent out on loan north just had their contracts mutually terminate and things like that but I think big up to Sean Kavanagh the ultimate survivor
0: <laughs> he's the yeah. Craven Cottage cockroach isn't he and he's just just there yeah just but there know, I think
2: it's what I, what's been nice to see is we've retained our players and we're, yeah. we're not exactly a club who's famous for fending off the big boys and keeping our players but we seem to have done that this season but if we don't get promoted this season and Kearney and Cess leave in the summer I don't think we blame either yeah no, no I, I think that's
1: I, I think that's pretty reasonable. I think that's what we said during the window that none of us would blame TC if we don't get promoted for going in the summer. It was just the way that it was all handled in in the January window, as such.
0: Yeah, and and you know, Dom, you touched on it just there. The outs are, are just as important, if not if not more so than than some of the ins because at the moment now we've got a lean squad and if you have uh if you have a big bloated squad we've seen before where you know that can have wider reaching effects than just what happens on the pitch it goes onto the training pitch and you know if you don't if you're in a squad and there's no chance of you know getting anywhere near the team then that's going to have that's going to have an impact on the way training sessions are held what happens what happens during the week morale and everything so now we've got as we said earlier twenty twenty 20 man squad going for 18 places everyone's going to be razor sharp uh, because everybody wants to be involved so that can only be a good thing for us as well. Also there's you
1: know around an injury or two injuries tend to float around here and there so so 20 seems like a good number as far as as far as I'm concerned anyway. Definitely. So our post bag is full and uh, secretarial duties as as for, for now are fallen to Dom bet. so Dom uh, there is a load of questions and uh, I'm going to pass, pass this sort of the microphone, as they were to you. Yeah,
2: second week in a row doing this. You know, I mean? You're, you're making a name for yourself no, I'm in, a, in a the job, secretary, mate. <laughs> Stealing the job. First one we have is some JP Sports. Is he's got two questions, but his first one is: Who is the most impactful January signing ever? He said, "Was Montella January?" He Montella was. was. a January signing, but then. I, I think there's only one answer to this, and it's Brad Hangeland. Like I don't see what other answer there is in recent years you can give.
0: No, long term, it was. I think it was 100% Hangeland. I think it, instant sort of short term impact. Uh, Paul Wernyap, whatever his name, yeah, you know the, the old Russian. Uh, he uh, he hit the ground running, didn't he? He was flashing the pan. But if you look for immediate sort of shot in the arm goals, then that was fairly fairly impactful. But you know, long term he can't. There's no there's no other answer' but Didn't he so. just leave?
2: Didn't oh yeah, he yeah, just, yeah. He just,
0: he just, we signed him on a six-month contract, he and then he just off, left. Yeah,
2: yeah but um, also, if anyone even mentions Lewis Holby's name, I'm literally <laughs> going to just tell you you're wrong. Cause your opinion. If anyone, is it, no, he wasn't that influential. I'm sorry. Did Jajaga sign in the January? Um, pass. Go on, Mr. Re- Mr. You got the laptop, dude. <laughs> I think the Jagger
0: might have signed in January. I think that might have been one. But can we can we call any of those guys impactful? Because ultimately we maybe went down, relegated.
1: So. Yeah,
2: no,
0: maybe not impactful. <laughs> but is
1: yeah, the so word. I think a great
0: January signing. Though.
1: But
2: yeah, yeah. So the ones who pop out to me are Montella and Hangler, because I remember being there. I think it was Montella's debut away at Leicester in the Do FA you know, Cup. Where he scored it hat trick. Uh, no, that was the one in the Craven Cottage. Yeah, the replay. Yeah, so yeah, I think his debut was the original third round game. I think that was like my first like proper away game like outside of London that wasn't like the, one of the big teams and I, was, and I think I was rooting really near the front and saw Montella doing his little airplane once here, he was a goal
1: he was a sensational, sensational I don't know why player. he doesn't have
2: a bar named after him to be honest yeah. he's a, <laughs> Montella's
1: he's, a, he's He's not really a good manager though
2: no, he did alright at Fiorentina
1: he did alright at Fiorentina he did alright his first season of Lamp but then it, all went, it all went down went yeah because he, he,
2: actually, he actually had expectations at Meatline this season yeah, but
1: as in Sevilla lost again at the weekend 5-1 yeah. to Ibar.
2: I, I think they're just getting. I think S is the like bottom half or like mid-table La Liga teams are just getting like football legends now. Like they've got Montella in now. Clarence Seedorf has gone to the and like a All
1: right, well let's let's move on.
2: His second question is: Are is such a great player, but he's also such a sick note slash injury-prone player, which we've mentioned <laughs> many many times? Can you recall other good players from the past that were always frustratingly always out as soon as they were playing good again? Few that come to mind were Jerome Bonacel and Philip Christenbel. I love Jerome Bonacel.
1: He was such a, like, a wonderful left-back and he was just never
0: available. It's, 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 the with, it's the players with that touch of class that, that are more, you know, some, more often not in the Fulham scenario anyway, the ones that are injured. Here's one for you, Klaus Jensen. Yeah. He, he was an absolute Rolls-Royce, but he, just, he, couldn't, he couldn't get fit. Uh, and you know he hardly ever missed a game for Charlton or Bolton. And then when he came to us, uh, still 29-ish, he uh, he just could not get a sustained run in the side and, and eventually had to call it a day, which uh, which is a massive shame because he had so much ball, though. No, absolutely yeah yeah yeah. yeah I uh, I mean Bonacel
1: was the one that sprang up for me. Philippe Christenval, I, I do remember, but I don't remember well enough to remember him being out in and out of the side so much.
2: Yeah, I remember, I remember him being decent, but obviously he, didn't, he had nothing on Ian Pierce. Didn't we sign him from Barcelona? Or yeah, something like that. Yeah, he came from
0: a he came from a big. Big, uh, big club with a big reputation and he, he, he unfortunately but was, yeah, was injured he, he was an elder man in yeah. decline
2: yeah, yeah him and Ian Pierce at the back Alan yeah. Gomer
1: Legends. I have a funny feeling in the later years in the Premier League years in his later Premier League years sorry yeah you might have been be... injured a fair amount and us playing Zat Knight a lot yeah needs must and all that yeah Zat <laughs> Knight who, who actually is a Bolton legend and um and probably will be talked about much by um on our extra podcast on, on Thursday.
2: Yeah, so if you can think of any other players who are always that who are always out as soon as they sort of start playing well or just frustrating because you knew they were good but never got the game time, please let us know yeah. on, on any form of social media. Hit us up. Hit us up. Good question though, JP Sports. Next up is again it's not me, F F C Dom. Indeed, not you. <laughs> Does each striker we as we sort of spoke to work but we didn't actually mention this do they work best with a different winger? Uh, example: Piazon with Font, Kamara with Cabano. What's the rotation out like of the wingers? Are there wingers who are more suited to, to the different strikers?
1: Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the, the simple answer is yes. Obviously, we talked uh, after the Burton game at length about Piazon and Font's link-up play and how that kind of intricate connection opened doors. And we saw at Barnsley the Kamara, Cabano, sort of cantering down the pitch in the ninety-third minute, really, you know, opening things up and. I suppose it is about learning what wingers work best with Mitrovic, I suppose is the, is Anyone the key. Anyone who could put ball in the box. Well, the answer, very weirdly, might actually be Cyrus Christie. Um, I don't know how much Christie people have watched, but really, really, really good delivery with both feet.
2: I think we could have used Jordan Graham now. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah no, you're, you're, you're not actually wrong. Um, but Christie's very, very good at delivering. And we were speaking to a Borough fan about him, and they said that they actually he saw the best out of him when he was played further up on the right wing. It might be something to consider, especially for those big games where we're looking at, at, at teams who have the ability to break back at us, and, and yeah. especially to have. So, if we had, you know, Fredericks, Target, Christie, and Cessignon, we have four players there who can all are all reasonably comfortable playing right back, or right wing, left back, or left wing, and it offers us something both ways. If exactly, you will. yeah,
2: and we we, we 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 haven't really spoken about, it, but like Cyrus Christie, we haven't really spoken about being a right winger, but he can clearly play there, and even. I mean the thing is the great thing having those two be able to switch especially with Fredericks and Christie is those who can just literally swap positions during the game and opposite, offer the opposition something else to think about yeah. but yeah it is, there is different wingers who work well with shots. we don't really know yet what works with um Alexander Mitrovic but
1: yeah I'm i think sure we'll find out I'm sure
2: we will find out in the coming weeks when we're playing some very very big games with a very very big striker up front
0: and I feel like the way, the way he plays it can be sort of mutually beneficial for the wingers that we have and for Mitrovic uh, you know we've seen he can bring those wingers into play like he did with piazon and i feel like as well he's going to be able to get on the end of things as uh, obviously as as a striker but cyrus uh, cyrus christie came to the club uh just a note on him quickly uh knowing that we, we you know fredo's been a starter for the last two years bar none really so he's not come here to sit on the bench and maybe that was maybe he's been marketed or marketed himself as look, i'm a right-sided player i'm not you know Necessarily a fullback or a winger, so we might well see him there between now and the end of the season. Who knows?
2: The next question is from Sam Smith. I don't think it's a singer. <laughs> he is no, a Fulham it's, fan. It's, but it's might... not him, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen this question. This question is about Matt Target. It says, "Is this early ball tendency going to hinder our slow, precise build-up play?"
1: I'm quite into this question. I thought it was a, a very, very clever question. So I think answer.
2: I think it's personally just he hasn't. He once he gets to know how the squad plays the way he plays will change and I think maybe the way he's played in his career previously that's what's been successful to him hit this early ball and then maybe eventually he'll learn to sort of go down to the byline and whip one in like that way but I don't think it's necessarily going to hinder our play if you've got someone like Mitrovic up front and there's an early ball going into the box that's not necessarily a bad thing he's either going to get ahead on it or he's going to control it and play in one of our other players so I don't necessarily think it's going to hinder our precise build up play I think like and Fulham fans often complain we're not getting the ball in the box fast enough.
1: <laughs> I think it's going to work. I, I do. I really do. I think this is this is something that's going to, to help us, if nothing else. Because, you know, lot, there was a lot said about Ryan Sesson on the left back, and obviously he was unbelievably good at still getting into the right positions. But we weren't a team that whipped in crosses. Scott Malone whipped in crosses, but he just wasn't very good at it. So what I'm hoping is that. Yeah, the
2: only reason we scored in the playoffs was
1: because his cross was so bad. Yeah, that is actually <laughs> correct, yeah. But he, you know, that that's something that has worked for us in the past. And, and you know, while scott malone's crosses weren't great that kind of get the ball into the box and 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 put the defense on the back foot is obviously something that helped us and you know those crosses weren't great and they often got deflected or headed away but we were quite good at getting the second ball and hopefully something similar could happen with target where obviously those as the team start to realize that we have someone who's willing to put the ball into the box and into the danger zone they can react accordingly and and make that
0: style work you have to have different strings to your bow don't you and 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 you know you don't have to have symmetrical play down each, each but down each frank, flank you can you know you can hit somebody with a with a haymaker with your right and then an uppercut with your left it, it can be different and 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 oftentimes that's you know a better tactic anyway
2: yeah you don't want everyone to be sort of playing the same exact way you want there to be enough as you said something something different mm. and that's what that's exactly what it's going to be uh the next one is from thomas O'Sully. we caught we sort of touched on upon it but it's just, does kenny walk straight back into this side and yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah, there is. You, you can. He's a kind of resign yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh yes, he hasn't been involved on in this great run of form, but it's it's our captain. It's Kenny. He offers something that no one else in the squad can with his creativity in midfield. The, it, is, it is that he walks shape back into the side. The more argument is how do we adapt to him coming back into the side? Because also it's not the, the way the way he plays is not the way we've been playing in this run of form. But I think he does walk back into the side. It's just how we accommodate that, basically. Agreed. Uh the next one is from FFC Joe. I don't really w- understand why this is a question but we'll go we'll go for I think it anyway. I think
1: it's a point raised because that this this is something that's been raised on social media. I, like, I don't think I don't yeah. think this is Joe actually being I hope, like, this I is hope a it's problem. not because
2: are you disappointed with Kenny's lack of support for the team or updates about his status? For example his injury West Ham interest in general on social media or is it something being made out of nothing? I think it's something being made out of nothing because like why 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 do you care if a player needs to player doesn't need to come out and do this on social media people understand people who get annoyed with players who post on social media when they win and won't post when they lose but like, I don't think he, like, he did post he was at the cottage on, on Saturday on social media I think he can't post about the West Ham interest on social media No, he, that's stupid and his injury the club aren't even saying anything about it so why would Kearney
1: I think what's important to note is that it, it's not I don't think it's something out of nothing I think there is something here but I don't think it's necessarily I'm not disappointed in Kearney either I think what's you know what obviously was annoying fans is that you know Abby thought it was fun to post to that West Ham's interest on her thing and be like oh here we go again and then obviously that kicked off a load of social media kind of interest as such and then there was nothing to follow it up so like don't post only in the first place I think is is, is yeah. the first kind of point here and you know you know, we're not here to tell Abby Richards what to do with her life. She can post wherever she wants. (laughs) But like, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that when people saw that and then didn't see a follow up, they were, they would then got upset because, you know, that's kind of how you see things and how you look at it. And I suppose that it makes, you know, sense for people to then be like, oh, I'm, I'm actually a bit annoyed because I don't know what's going on and I don't, I don't know what's happening. And, you know, yesterday Tom did post saying he was back at the cottage and, you know, that was on Instagram, but he also then tweeted about you know something else or the hockey yeah. or something um, and everyone was like oh why didn't you just right, tweet I mean, saying well done lads we played well all it would have been is well done lads I know you well like, exp- I, don't, <laughs> I don't agree with it but it also isn't hard and he's the captain yeah yeah
2: I understand fans wanting to do it but I don't have an issue with no, what we play personally it. it's, I don't their, either. If it's their, per- it's, their it's, it's not like a business account. I know they are like a business but it's not a business account it's their personal account right they can tweet and post whatever they want yeah yeah they don't they're not is not bound to anything. Yeah, it's not it, like on Twitter. You don't have to post after every single Fulham game. A r- a like, well done, good win today. No, like so. And ne- next up is Ashley. I don't know exactly entirely which our next six games, but he's asking how many points to expect from our next six. So they are Bolton,
1: Bolton, Villa,
0: Bolton at
1: Villa, at home, Villa
0: Bristol,
2: Bristol City, City
0: Wolves, Derby, Sheffield United, Sheffield at home. United. They're the six and. Uh, uh, I think the, the sixth is Preston away.
2: Or would that make it seven?
0: Would that make it seven? that makes it seven. So no, that's that's a, let's go up to Sheffield United. Let's go to Sheffield United. So the five
1: big ones and Bolton is basically what we're saying here.
2: Yeah. It's, good. It's, it's, it's tough to look at because we haven't played a big team, I'd say, in a while. Like, Middlesbrough would have was the closest thing we came to it. And I think the last one I really remember was the Sheffield United away game. And I don't, we haven't really played a big one at home in a while so it's, it's hard to judge and like I think Bolton is three points don't say it like that <laughs> it, is, it is I know our record there is awful but we, it should be three points but we said that, that we way. said that against yeah, okay. it should be three points at Bolton and then what's Villa at home Villa at home once, I think if we want to if we're, we're looking for it we need to beat Villa yeah once Mitovich knocks John Terry out into like no week. if you could do that in the
1: 96th minute once he scored a winning header I'd be dig. delighted I mean, like, does then, it would definitely be in
2: celebration it? in the 96th minute
0: <laughs> yeah then we lo- then we just losing for Bristol City and Wolves and Derby. So yeah, that's no. the big one. <laughs> no just, drama. I'll
2: just try and make it a second yellow. Yeah, just yeah, just yeah. miss just missed one game. The, the, the way that the uh, the
0: tables fallen and the way that a fixture computers has has spewed these fixtures out, it's absolutely yeah uh, unbelievably brutal. But then you know we said the last four were relatively winnable games. So, but the, the, the problem is. The problem is that these teams in the playoff aren't really dropping points now. We talked about we've been talking for a while about Cardiff slipping out maybe alongside Bristol City, but they're not they're not looking at like they're going to do that at the moment. And we had to win on Saturday because all of the results didn't go quote unquote our way. Yeah, and the only one
2: that possibly did was the Bolton bolt being Bristol City. Exactly one on, on the of, Friday. Like one out of
0: six, seven results. Exactly, and one or two defeats, we're out of, we're out of the top six again. So.
2: It, it really is. When it's it's not looking about how many points we need to get for my next six games. It's after these six games, if we're still in the playoff places and in reach of, the, of second place, that's what's that's all that's key to me. It's not about how many points we get. I agree. It's, it's where we are at the end we of these can, six games.
1: We can lose the Wolves as long as no one else picks how many points. Yes, <laughs> well, yeah. it's fine for us to lose. The and Wolves. Like,
2: let's let's say by the time if we play Derby and it's as it is now, right? We're six points behind them. If we beat them, we're only three points off them. That, that does not mean we're going to be three points off in second place. Mm. That's not what I'm saying. But a team who's looked like they're going to get second will be in and around. If we beat Villa, they look like the next contenders. Mm. It's just, and as we said, it's it's great on this run we're on because obviously we're, we're picking up points. But it's more important to pick up points against teams around you because you know then they're dropping points as well.
1: 11, 12 points in this run, I think, would be acceptable. 15 would be. No, eight, eight, 18. Fifteen would be outstanding.
0: Well, quite. I mean, the thing yeah. is, as well, you talk about you talk a lot about relegation six pointers. Well, these are, these are all promotion six pointers coming up. So yeah. you know it, it, that that plays in the it's, fact it's that the we. It's the
2: closest has been like this in the championship for years.
0: Yeah. So so you're right. You shouldn't be looking at points out of the next few games. It's when we come out of this hellacious six seven game run, are we still keeping pace to the rest? Uh, you know and where do we look as we're going into what will then be the last two months of this season
2: I mean as long as Mitrovic relegates something in the last home game of the season I'm sure everyone will be happy in <laughs> we then, then we'll relegate Birmingham the next week And f- if we finish. could
1: relegate Reli- Reading yeah. that would be great that would be ideal but
2: no, I think the ideal f- situation is for me because my best mate at uni is a Birmingham City fan so we could relegate them and get top two on the same day. as like a four day weekender out there.
0: Just us Fulham go full on. Because I, I, I'm
2: sure they just they've they put the Premier League darts in Birmingham on a Thursday night just to tease me in. Just to really whine. Really I'm going up on the Friday as it is. Yeah, for the yeah. weekend.
1: Um, I think one more question then, Dom, please.
2: One more. I guess it will go to. I'll go Ryan Jenkins. It's still early, but if the but if promoted, do you see permanent deals for peers on a Norwood? I think this is a good question because. Norwood wasn't getting into a Brighton team yeah. in the Premier League, yeah. so would he get into ours? Is it, it? I mean, he'd be a great squad player to have. It would he though in the Premiership? I, I that's don't, the
1: big question. If he can't get into Brighton's team, Brighton aren't do yeah. that well. Like,
2: I mean, his Kyodo just scores bangers. Yeah, he the
1: does zone. score that bangers. That one on the weekend fun. was unbelievable. He's an unbelievable player. But
2: yeah, no, that's 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 a very good question. And Piazon, I don't think. See, I do. See, I think Piazon. I'd Premier have Piazon
0: over over Norwood, but you've got that you've got that question of when yeah. we are, when we do make it if and when we do make it to the promised land uh, uh, you know the way the Premier League is now do you pick up squad players for eight nine million or do you you know get your balls out and start I mean, you know, if spending we, if a lot of money if we get
2: promoted the first thing is not do we sign peers on or not the first thing is sign a centre back and sign a goalkeeper <laughs> oh. yeah
1: really quick <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Um, but you, I think it. I wouldn't I wouldn't it's hard to say it depends what the price is it really does because if Chelsea want like Borderline ten million for P- Lucas Piers on. Yeah. I can't see them wanting that, but there's Chelsea, so he probably would want that much. I can't
1: see us paying that, and I think if Fulham said to him, "Look, we we want him, and they, he wants to come here, and you know we'll give you five million for him," they'd probably yeah. be like, "All right, fine." Yeah, I think he wants to. Yeah,
2: I well, yeah, we'll and away. I I think as Piers on sort of, I'm stuck. I don't know. If we obviously if he's Premier League quality. Um, Norwood, yeah, it's just as you said, he doesn't get into as we were saying, he doesn't get into the Brighton team. He is a good player, but then it's just maybe he's a good player for the championship. Brighton
1: do have good players. That's the other exactly. thing. Like, it's not. It's not like Brighton. Uh, i see seen that Dale Stevens plays centre midfield. I really rate Dale Stevens. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. He just does a
0: job. But I think if we go up, we just need to. We need to look at what we're going to do in terms of long term trying to stay up. And 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 I'm not sure. You know, spending ten million, eight million on on players that. You know, may or may not get into yeah. the side as, is really as a team going
2: up. You want to be signing players who you know can do it in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Because
2: we saw with so, a load of Premier League signings we made when we were there, but they just weren't up to the scratch. You wanted to be bought from in from abroad. When you're just coming up, you just want to have the players who you know can do the job. Yeah. Once you're once you're eventually progressing on, you can maybe take a risk on these signings. But if we go up, I just I focus on making our team Premier League quality to start off with.
1: Yeah. So that all but brings us to the end of this week's Fulhamish podcast. And, Drew,
0: I believe you have a name for the podcast this week. I do, and I'm going to have to say it slowly so I don't mess it up. I'm going to go for Tricky Trees Chopped. Well, they very much were chopped down
1: as Fulham put Nottingham Forest to the axe, shall we say. Very good. Thank you very much to Dom Betts. It's all right. Thank you very much, Drew Heatley. Thank you. I've been Jack Collins. Please listen to our Thursday extra show where we're going to be talking to a Bolton fan and to get West London's Ryan O'Donovan. So tune into that for for all your needs before the weekend. Thank you as ever for listening to the Fulhamish podcast. Make sure you're following us across all of our socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Pod on all of those things. We'll see you at Bolton and next week. Take it easy. Bye-bye.
2: powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hi, I'm Beth, and I'm Sarah, and we're the hosts of Pantsuit Politics, where we've built a community around grace-filled political conversations.
0: And we wanted to share the words of our listeners because they understand best what we do. Susan told us. Many times I've used your words when my own have failed, opening doors that allow for discussion rather than debate.
2: Amber says we encourage her to be more involved, to be a better citizen, and to be part of her community. Nicole said, Listening to you two process with one another is the only way for me to become unstuck.
0: With the impending election on the horizon, join us and our amazing community of listeners at Pantsuit Politics as we prepare to vote, process the election, and prioritize our values and each other.
2: Make sure you participate in our democracy by listening to Pantsuit Politics and, of course exercising your right to vote.
0: A-cast. 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 A-cast recommends.